Do, 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 do. Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 480, sweetie, which you might think are three even numbers, don't you? But they're I, not. I hadn't thought about it. Because yeah. I think our friend Tina Park said that uh, zero uh, isn't even. It's not even a number. It's I think it's the absence of numbers. Hmm. But I could be completely wrong, too. Let's talk more about it. Um, why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And who does want to feel outstanding? And I always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Uh, on today's show, uh, I'm going to do a quick take. Um, I'm going to answer a listener's question about her 12-year-old son, or we are, sweetie, not me, we, actually mostly you, let's be honest. Well, I, I didn't even know we were talking about that. Sure. All I right. said I'm going to bring up that. And question? Then, and then your deal. Okay. What's your deal? Be, Can we go this way to that way? Can we do the question at the end? Yeah, for sure. Beginning? Okay, cool. Um, but before you get into your, just real quick. Give me like the title of whatever you're talking oh, about. Oh, uh, punitive versus restorative or restorative versus punitive. Like restorative yoga? No. Versus punitive yoga? <laughs> Is there such a thing? Um, so, all right. So we're going to talk about that. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my friend, our partner, Jeremy Kraft, who's a bald-headed beauty. He's going to be at the conference with his bald-headedness. So everybody should just yell bald-headed beauty at him? Yeah. I'm going to okay. say everybody in the count of three, say bald-headed beauty. <laughs> no, so don't I, do that to him. I think I'm going to. I think you should not. Um, I usually save Jeremy to the end. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area, but I just feel like giving him some love at the beginning of the podcast. Well, so. eight years he's been our partner. He has. Eight years. He's believed in us since the very beginning. So oh, Jeremy, if you're listening, nice. uh, I love you, brother. And I can't wait to see you at the conference. And if you live in the Chicagoland area, go uh, find, I, I've already found the trustworthy contractor, which is sometimes a paradox or a contradiction. But Jeremy is trustworthy. I know. People still tell me their stories because we did an addition on our house that Jeremy did. Um, and he's done all of our painting. I mean, he does the, the little and the big. And people will tell me their stories of how you know, they'll be like, you know, how things get pushed off. I'm like, no, no we don't. Because <laughs> ours was done earlier than we thought. Well, and that doesn't mean Jeremy's perfect. Things do no. get switched around, but he's going to tell you about it. Like, he's not going to play the game. Well, and that's what I mean is that there was never any, like, it's been so long. We did our house five years ago. I don't remember. I'm sure there was disappointment. Yeah. But a lot of times that's just part of the process. Something didn't come in on sure. time. Something didn't get shipped. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so my quick take is there is a blog I just read called Colleges Are Teaching Students How to Drink Responsibly and Why This is a Good Thing. And this mom said, uh, like, I can't Colleges believe... Colleges are? Well, this, 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 the writer's son is an RA. Okay. And... They're, so the students are. The the RA is. Okay. And they're talking about how to drink responsibly. Interesting. Yeah, I thought so. And I think the idea is because these kids are going to drink anyways, and this is a life and death thing. Like there's, you know, we've heard stories oh, yeah. about alcohol poisoning. We, and We talk about it at home all the time. Not even the amount of things that can go wrong just when you are drunk. So I just thought that that was kind of an interesting... I'm just curious of the unfolding of it, because not because I don't think that it could be effective. We're actually going to talk today about why talking to children and young adults is effective. But, you know... I think my RA did talk to me about that kind of thing. I remember them saying, listen, and they were coaching us to help our friends who would pass out from being drunk. You got to have them on their side. Do not let them be on their back because right. if they throw up in their sleep, that's when bad things can happen. So is that what we're talking about here or is it much more in depth? No, there's just a blog about um, how certain uh, colleges are being open and honest about what happens on college campuses and they're trying to protect them because some kids get to freshman year have never having sipped uh, any alcohol in their life and then all of a sudden they have this freedom that they don't know what to do anything with. Yeah, so it's almost like a gaping hole. Like they just, they're like, I could do anything. Mm -hmm. So, well, and, so and her I son, hope that So her son is an RA and he did a how to drink responsibly class, and it's practically mandatory form for the RAs and are required to hold them. Good. I would love to hear the content. Uh, I'm going to put it in the show notes, sweetie. What I mean <clears> is, <throat> uh, no, not the article, the content, like the the RA who is oh, being what trained. They do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, what are they telling them? Because yeah. there are things that scratch the surface, and then there's a real conversation. Exactly. You know, like 
you know, why are we making this choice? And when we make this choice, things we can do. Like, you know, I know that for many parents who, and again, this is kind of talking, this is what we're discussing with being punitive or restorative. I know for some parents, um, there's a sense of it's all or nothing, meaning if you ever drink, you're in trouble and I expect you never to drink. And if you drink, what's wrong with you or or drugs or whatever it may be or vaping. Um, but with, within that, I think sometimes there's some room to, like I remember one of my girlfriends saying to me when her daughter was a junior that she would say, you know what, if you're going to go to the party and you're feeling that pressure, you know you can walk around with a drink in your hand. You can drink it or you don't have to drink it, and right. no one's going to bug you because right. you already have it. And so a lot of parents would say, well, that's horrible because you're giving that you know your kid permission to drink. Um, and again, we could debate that. You know, sure. I'm sure that's different for many families, but that's also one of those things where it's like if you feel you're in a situation – that you're being bothered and you don't have the ability at that moment to handle the pressure, you can just hold it and not drink it or not drink it at the pace that everybody else is. And again, I don't even know if that's something for me. I just, these are the kind of conversations that I think sometimes we as parents struggle with because we think that any kind of communication or any kind of options equals, I'm okay with you doing this. Or inviting or encouraging. encouraging, yes. Information... To to communicate information, some people think, well, that means I'm encouraging them to right. do something. and then I'm okay with it. And we have a sex ed talk on Thursday night um, in Downers Grove, oh, yeah. and we're going to talk a little bit about how certain idea, ideas on how to communicate your kids or absence of ideas sometimes has the opposite effect of what you're hoping. Well, I think the bottom line is, is that um, the more information a kid has the more opportunity they have to make a good choice. And I think the less information they have, the more likely they are to make a choice that's just based in going with the crowd or just straight up rebellion or curiosity, not in, and I'm not saying this in the best, uh, in a good curiosity, but like, I don't understand anything here. So I'll just do what everybody else is doing. Right. And um, I think the more we can talk about it and give them perspective and options and some some stories of other people or even our own stories the more the more I kind of visualize it like they're more solid mm. in situations they're like oh I could do that but I don't have to do that and this if this comes up I can call so and so or if I'm worried I just feel like it gives them more room to breathe yes like here's a bunch of different options and and also we really as you and I have shared a lot we get huge amnesia around these issues For sure. about drinking, smoking, um, sex, and we just think, yeah, we had certain experiences, but my children won't. It's almost like you need to start from where I am right now. My level of understanding as a 46-year-old man right. needs to be your level of understanding as, as a 15-year-old girl. Right, right. And the amnesia is a perfect you know, um, example of that. Like we forget how kids get pressured, the level of pressure, the what normalcy. it means, the mm -hmm. normalcy. Um, so yeah, it's tricky to be a kid. It is. And all you have to do, if you're like, well, I don't really remember it that way, go back and watch any movies from the 80s. I mean, I'm serious. Like, yeah. And I remember, I don't remember talking to my parents about those movies, but I remember recognizing how any John Hughes movie or any movie where there was a lot of drinking and everything was so, I appreciated the normalizing yeah. of it because I was like, this is really happening. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these are the, the parties. It's not necessarily Jake Ryan's house, you know, where everything is destroyed, but there are a lot of people there. There is a lot of drinking. And so if your child is in a situation where they go there. I know you may not want them to, but what are their options in that situation? Sweetie, remember at the end of Jake Ryan's party and they kind of like just pan to how his house is just demolished. And there's like this music playing. But it's a pizza. <laughs> yes. The pizza is on the turntable. I know. Oh my God. And he doesn't seem that mad. Well, he's, he again, Jake's a whole character study. Do you know what I mean? Like in reflection on that movie, like he, he didn't make great choices either. No, horrible. Like, I think when we watched the movie initially, we're like, oh, you know, his girlfriend, she's so horrible. She doesn't care about anything. And and he, here's Jake giving her away. Yes. Um, and Ted was under the table. 
Yes, he was. <laughs> and we never saw how he got do. locked in that table. <laughs> oh. And then those big guys took his other two friends and, home. And, and I feel like trunk. American Pie was the next generation yeah. of realistic yes. teenage movies. Absolutely. And I actually, they just had their anniversary, their mm. 20 year anniversary. Can mm. you believe that? And um, I was listening to, um, oh, what's his name? Jason Biggs, an mm. interview with Jason Biggs. And he was talking about that and how that really was kind of a resurgence. Like, there was a few movies between our generation and then that generation, like Clueless came out. And I remember thinking to myself when Clueless came out, man, we haven't had a high school movie in a long time. Um, but yeah, American Pie was as, as uncomfortable as a lot of that stuff was in that movie. Yeah. And a lot of it was a little, you know, the MILF stuff was a little yeah. out there. But some of it was very real and very true. A lot true. of it was. Yeah. I'm sure all of it is true. And that doesn't mean it's normal behavior, right. but I'm sure that that stuff happens somewhere. Well, and you know, what's that word normal mean? Like yeah. that's, you know, we could do a whole show on breaking that down. Does that happen in high schools? Of course it does. Yes. And what, and what is, what is the conversation that we have with our kids? Is it, you cannot talk to me about it. it you'll be grounded. I'm going to take away your phone. There's no room in here. Or is it, how do I manage this as my environment? You know, like if this is around me as a high schooler, mm. how do I manage this if this is the truth about my environment? Right. And that's a lot of discussions, yeah. you know? Do you know, um, and the most recent uh, movie that we've seen that kind of encapsulates what we think it means to be in either high school or in this sense, eighth grade? Uh-huh. Eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. those are three, uh, 16 Candles to American Pie to eighth grade. <laughs> Um, there's a consistent theme through it because of the realism, yet they're all very different. Yes, and that they're, that's why it means something to people. That's why the movies have kind of stuck around um, because there's some, there's some truth. And so anyway, shall we move on? Let us move on to... Um, Punitive and restorative. What are we talking about so, here? So th here's the thing. I was... Um, I don't even know how this came up to me. I was reading some kind of comment on an article about kids and discipline and, you know, and I kept running across the word, um, you know, punitive, punitive, punitive. And then I noticed that somebody commented um, because, first of all, you know what punitive means, right? Uh, I think it's one of those words that I'm sure I can define it without um, or I know what it means without being able to quickly It's define. like you know the word. Yeah. It's just like so punitive means like I think it's like means mean, like mean punishment. It, it's like punishment. Yeah. Okay, so it's like punitive, it, that kind of discipline is like what rule was broken, who broke the rule, and how am I going to punish you for it? Mm -hmm. Okay, it's very like and and I would say it is the most common form of parenting. Wouldn't you say? I think it is the quickest option that most of us parents think of. And I think we have some hardwiring or some history or just basic societal belief systems that that's the way that things should be done. Yeah. Okay. So it's very common. It's yep. not. Um, and then restorative, if I didn't finish the sentence I was saying before, is kind of the, the uh, other option. And why I, I found it interesting is because you and I don't, we don't sit around and talk about what what we choose to do on an everyday basis is this, and this mm -hmm. is what we call it. Like I, I'm actually a – I don't like that. I don't like it when people label the way that they do Sweetie, things. Sweetie, what type of parenting techniques do you practice? <laughs> I don't like to even talk about Real quick, that. Um, um, Self-aware parenting. Um, conscious parenting. Conscious parenting. Uh, helicopter parenting, lawnmower parenting, attachment parenting, attachment parenting. There's holistic like parenting. so many different mindful parenting. Yes, and why I don't like parenting, yeah. those labels is because it puts you in a box. Mm -hmm. Because if you the, in and it may not put you in a box to other people, but it does to yourself. Yeah. Where all of a sudden you think if I do this differently. Or if I one night do like, you know, if I do co-sleeping because I, I focus so much on attachment parenting and then one night I need to sleep by myself. Well, now I'm a bad attachment parent. Right. You know, we don't give ourselves room, room to be human. To move. And so I'm not a big fan of labeling things and, you know, labeling an, a parenting style and then having to stick to it. Because right. to me, that just doesn't feel like a, it's a human It's not reality experience. because we might be having a bad day. We might be having a good day. Our baby might be having a bad day. Our baby might be having a good day. There's other variables in the environment that would 
um, help you decide what how you're going to interact with your child on that certain day. Like there's all these different variables. And you might learn something new where you're like, I'd like to incorporate that. And maybe it is an evolution of an old theory. Like for those of you who are therapists or, you know, educators, you know this, but basically in, when we're talking about theories, we, everything starts with Freud Mm -hmm. and everything kind of, you know, and then Jung and all of his, you know, his students and everything built from that base. So it's not like we got rid of everything from before. We just continue continue to evolve our theories and everybody kind of put their name on a theory and, you know, and everything kind of continued to grow and evolve like a tree. And that's kind of the way I view any kind of experience with, um, you know, it, with it, it in parenting and relationships is that there are some basic understanding and belief systems that we can, you know, kind of ground ourselves in, but then things grow and change and evolve. Yeah. And I want the room to do that. Yeah. And if I have to, if I put a label on what I'm doing, then all of a sudden I feel really tight. Sweetie, how about we call ourselves the no-label parenting? <laughs> then all of a sudden if I use a label, I'm in trouble. Do you right. see what I mean? Yep. So let's just not. But I, I still do want to talk about the – so instead of saying this is how you should do it or this is how you shouldn't do it, that's not what I'm attempting to do. I want to have a conversation about what we can do, another thought process besides punitive. Mm-hmm. Okay, And that thought process is restorative. Mm-hmm. So restorative discipline should is – Should we go down the punitive path real quick? Like what, what are some – Techniques to punitive parenting. Oh, okay. So it, punitive parent. It's not techniques. Oh, it's examples, it's a, it's a mindset. mindset. Like it is. Okay, you yelled at your sister. Go go sit in timeout. You're in trouble. You're going to be grounded for three days. Okay. So within it, there is a who broke the rule. You did something. Here's your punishment. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I would say most people listening would say, well, yeah, mm. that's what we do, right? What about uh, there's a rule in the house. I'm just making something sure. up. Uh, no screens after 930. Right. And all of a sudden you see your kid uh, at 1030 and say, and you're like, oh, you broke the you rule. Broke the rule. You, uh, you have no phone for a week. Correct. That yeah. is that is punitive. That is, And again, this system that we're talking about, just the word punitive, it's not just with parenting. Mm-hmm. This is really our... Um, um, justice system. Right. This is our uh, prison system. This is the way that we tend. This is why it's beyond parenting. It's a societal belief system. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and it's, and I'm not saying um, that it's absolutely not something we should do. I'm not saying that being, you know, I, the word punishment just has never. It's not that I don't believe in consequences, but the, the, what the word punishment leaves out to me is what we're going to talk about, which is restorative. Mm -hmm. And there is some kind of natural blend of the two, or maybe restorative is the reworking of the word punishment. You know, like that's the thing is I don't want to get lost in the, you know, the words here too much. I just want to talk about the options. So restorative is more the questions about it are different. It's, you know, what happened and who was harmed? You know, and who is responsible for the harm and what needs to be done to repair this harm. Mm -hmm. So to me, instead of just a very like when I see punitive in my mind, I see a very flat line. There's not a lot of depth to it. There's not a lot of investigation to it. There's just a you broke a rule. You're in trouble. I have to follow through with what I said. If this, it means that. Then you're then that. And you were not going to negotiate it. That's the beginning, the middle and the end of the process. Exactly. And I am the last line of defense, done. You know, I have your phone for two weeks. Right. And the reasons why you were up at 1030 on your computer are irrelevant to me. Um, you know, I look at this as a lie. It's just very, and, and again. Clean. Keep, clean. Not in a good way. Well, to some, they think it is. Right. And I have heard a lot of parenting experts, um, therapists, even in this day and age, say to parents, if your child does something, you got to hold the line, the same line over and over again, or else they'll think they can manipulate you, mm-hmm. which I understand that mindset. Like I know what the therapist is trying to teach, but it's so for a parent who's very black and white, that doesn't leave any room for human behavior. Yeah. And so there is, even though I understand the therapist is trying to say, don't let your child walk all over you. Sometimes that's not the, what the child is trying to do. Yeah. Sometimes there's a little more going on than just, I'm going to wake up this morning and walk all over my parent. Right. We may perceive it that way. Well, that, that sometimes is the byproduct of what's going on inside of them. Correct. So they're not choosing to make our lives... Um, challenging, right? Their inside is being challenged for whatever reason, 
and the way that they're expressing it is pissing us off. Exactly. That whatever is going on with them, the output is then leading us to believe that they're trying to manipulate us, make our life difficult. Yeah. We really perceive that there is some kind of deep uh, you know, process in them where they're like, I am going to beat my parents at yeah. this game. Yeah. Okay. When really that has, like you said, that has a lot to do with what's going on with the kid and with us, mm -hmm. the way we perceive the world. You know what I mean? There's a lot there too. So why, you know, and again, I, the, the reason that restorative to me, it makes so much sense. And this is just kind of you know, my belief system about people and how we repair is it, there's a deeper process that goes on when a kid makes a poor choice. You know, what happened? What was going on inside of you? Who was harmed in this process? Mm -hmm. And how can we help you and support you in repairing this? Yeah. So you can walk away, number one, knowing that what you did does harm. Yeah. Number two, knowing that when you do harm, you can take responsibility and you can... Uh, you know, be able to walk away without, as you would always say, samskaras, mm -hmm. you know, like walk away with a sense of integrity in that you can fall down, make a mistake and fail and make a poor choice and get up and do something about it yeah. versus you did that. Who are you? You're a bad person. Go sit in a corner. I can't believe you are who you are. So the way that the child will integrate that is they will take whatever you just gave to them, which is basically a crap sandwich right. and you're going to stuff it into your belly and Correct. you're going to just keep it there. And Correct. you talked about the word samskaras, which is a word that I've just learned through a course I just took. And that will reside mm -hmm. in the energy center. Sorry to get all weird on you guys. And of, of the natural flow of this human being. And that eventually is either going to be have to be released at some point, probably as an adult, or never at all. And then it just kind of sits there and festers. Well, and I, I even think about the word because, you know, samskara is, is a word we use in yoga a lot. Mm -hmm. And the just it has the word scar in it, mm -hmm. even though I don't know if that was the intention because it's obviously a word, uh, you know, what's the word? Um, what's the language of yoga? Um, Sanskrit. Yeah. It's a Sanskrit word. And so it is not, you know, that wasn't the intention. But when I hear that word, I think about internal scars. You ready to hear the definition? Sure. Mental impressions left by all thoughts, actions, and intents that an individual has ever experienced. Right. So it's very connected to the pain body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, people don't know what that is, sweetie. Uh, well, people who know Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. And actually, just a little side note, everybody. For the last, like, I don't know, five, six weeks, uh, Oprah on her Super, Super Soul Series podcast has been replaying her interview and webinar or telecast, however you want to call it, with Eckhart Tolle from 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And Todd and I went through that whole thing. You know, we read the book and did the, you know, week by week with Eckhart and Oprah, and it's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And so if you did it in the past, it's really interesting to go through again um, because you'll see it and, you know, you'll have so many more experiences and to relate to. Can I read the end of this definition? Sure. Uh, back to some scars. They can be thought of as psychological imprints. They are below the level of normal consciousness and are said to be the root of all impulses as well as our innate dispositions. Correct. Which is just a wonderful way of describing that word. Correct. And so it's another way to, and again, a scar within you, a trauma within you, a pain body within you, you know, your pain body is the accumulation of all those some scars, but basically it's the underlying, it's the underneath below consciousness place where a lot of our responses, or I should say reactions mm -hmm. come from, yeah. is like we have, and you know, I sent to Team Zen this weekend a, a really quick video that Tracy McMillan did where she talks about if it's hysterical, it's historical, which is very connected to the pain body. And it's one of my favorite quotes that your sister taught me from her time in recovery, which is if you're having an, an a hysterical experience about something that's kind of not a huge deal in the yeah. moment, you know it's old. You know it's from your past. You know that it's triggering your pain body or triggering a samskara or it's it's something that is not really about present day. Well, we had an experience like that last week. One of our kids uh, had a really huge reaction to something and we both thankfully were in a good place where it wasn't about the stimulus. Not at all. Mm -mm. It was about something else. Yes. And most of our times when our kids are driving us a little, a little, they're challenging us, it's usually about something else. It's yes. rarely ever about the thing. 
Right. You know? In like, for example, you're right. That was a good experience in that is that, uh, you know, what happened last week is when our kid has finally had it and they kind of fall on the floor, you know, when they're really young, they fall on the floor crying or angry. When they're older, they stomp around, slam a door, mm-hmm. whatever is is typical for their age group. And we assume it's about the last thing that just happened. Yeah. Like, we'll be like, well, you're supposed to come down and eat dinner. Don't don't fight me about eating dinner. It's probably not about dinner. Almost never. It's almost never. It was just the last straw. Mm-hmm. And so if we can then release our own need to be right and to be punitive, because punitive would be, we all eat dinner together. That's what we do. Get you're your not going to come down, down. Here, or yeah. you're not eating dinner or you're not eating dinner. You won't eat tonight. And I'm going to take your phone away. Notice how many times I'm talking about taking phone away because yeah. all my clients take their kids' phones away. Yeah. And I, I get it because it's something that they know will cause harm meaning cause harm. That's not a nice thing to say. It, they know it will get a response yeah. from their kids. And that's the only way that they can connect with their kids right. because anything else isn't going to matter. Right. And so I understand why they do it. Um, I also think that sometimes more problems are created, not because you held the line on something. Parents, please hear me that this is not about you don't have the right to do that. Todd and I did a contract with our kids where we were very clear with them that the phone is ours, that you know we own it, we pay for it, and we do have that as an option. But when it's a, you didn't come to dinner, I'm going to take away your phone, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. That's kind of what we're talking about. So if your child is using the phone inappropriate or they're texting people inappropriately or posting pictures, it makes sense to say you're not understanding how to use this phone. But otherwise... It's a it's a disconnected non natural consequence. It just so happens that the second question that our that our team Zen person uh, uh, came in uh, gave us to answer is exactly what we're talking about. Do you mind if I read it? Or? Before you do, let okay. me just just to kind of because I would like to go deeper into punitive and restorative okay. later. Okay. And I don't I want to hear that question, but let me finish the difference sure. between the two. Go ahead. So then there's yeah, some clarity of why I'm bringing this up. I think we got stuck up. on punitive. We did it in because it's what we normally do. What why restorative is something that I want everyone to just think about. It's not it's not about again, it's not about labels of saying, I'm gonna switch from a punitive parent to a restorative one. It's thinking about this as a process. Like what when our child is having a hard time or when they did something, what happened? What did they harm or who did they harm? Then how who's responsible in this? And then what do we need to repair? And what what I think about is it gives us some space and time to kind of figure out, A, what's going on with my child emotionally right now? Why are they making the choices that they're – or let's focus on one choice because if we get too broad – you know, talking to them about their feelings. How are you feeling? And first of all, just being with the feeling. Like, you know, one of our children who had a hard time a couple weeks ago, she was really upset. And instead of saying to her why she shouldn't be upset and why it's ridiculous that she's upset and why being upset is causing everybody else a problem, how about just be with the fact that she's upset? Acceptance. Acceptance. Because once you're there, then everything has the opportunity to change. But until you can accept it, you're swimming upstream. Because they're going to keep trying to say you're not seeing that I'm upset. If we say, well, you shouldn't be upset because blah, 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 or because we're always trying to tell other people, including our children, why they should feel certain ways. Well, and the idea of acceptance is very easy. Like, okay, I accept it. No, like you got to go deep to accept it. You can't just accept it from your head. Right. And this might sound weird. You have to accept it with your whole body. With your body. And and I I think when I say that, I'm talking about your gut and your heart. Right. Because if you just say, okay, I accept it. Now let's move on to the punitive (laughs) punishment stuff. You got to like literally accept your kid for the tantrum that's showing up in front of you. And all you have to do is accept that moment. You don't have to be like, my kid is going to be like this forever. Or my kid's always been like this. Or they were like this yesterday. It's just the moment. It's so, it's so... First of all, it's all we have. It's the only thing that's real. Like if we're going to get into this mindfulness thing, what happened two weeks ago and what could happen in two weeks doesn't exist. So all you're accepting is my child is mad right now. And instead of talking them out of being mad, I am going to say, I hear that you're mad. Mm-hmm. And not I hear that you're mad and being trying to get them through it, but like just accepting because it. Because unless you accept it, the way that you're going to say, I hear that you mad, I hear that you're mad is going to come out the wrong way. Because, yeah, it's the squeezing the orange thing. If you're still really angry and you don't think they should be mad, then when you say, oh, yeah, it's fine that you're mad, it's not going to sound like it's really fine. Now, a lot of parents are going to say, okay, how do I talk myself into believing something maybe I don't really feel? It's not... 
all you're doing is letting is for a moment taking a breath. This is why meditation and mindfulness and all of these things play a role in every aspect of our lives, but parenting especially is the goal. Meditation is not about, I'm going to be this super Zen person just in this meditation. It's about how do I support myself in really intense moments in calming my system down. You don't have to change a bunch of your expectations in your brain. Get out of your head, take a breath, and just be with what is. That's what we do in meditation. For all you meditators out there who are nodding along, the whole thing you do is you sit and watch your nutty brain tell you all of these things, and you sit and watch it. And that's what you can do when your child is struggling. Instead of getting lost in the mind talk of why are they, they shouldn't be, this shouldn't be, you know, my older child isn't like this, why are they like this? You just calm down and watch it. I have an invitation for our fellow meditators out there. Yes. Uh, So at my tribe meeting, my men's group meeting last week, uh, we usually start with a centering exercise, which could also be called sitting in quiet or also could be called meditating. And instead of us, you know, sitting up straight with our feet on the floor, um, focusing on our breath, I invited them to simply keep their eyes open which is kind of rare because when you meditate, usually you have your eyes closed. And the idea of keeping your eyes open during a meditation is one, it's very uncomfortable. Uh, But secondly, it's more closely going to help you when you're in the middle of your day and something is happening that is driving you up a wall. Because if you can't sit with your back straight, with your feet on the floor, with your eyes closed when your kid's yelling at you, but if you have your eyes open, it's like a practice for the real thing. You know what I mean? Oh, I do. And now it's funny though, because I was just visualizing what you were saying and my eyes would still close because even when I'm in a moment, I mean, obviously, you know, not when I'm driving yeah, or else right. that could be dangerous, but, but maybe you can't close I your do eyes. close my eyes. Like when, when, and you probably think about me at a dinner table when <laughs> the girls are oh, arguing yeah. about someone, what do I do? Yeah, I go, close your eyes. you know, I close my eyes for a second and take a breath. Like, so for those of you who keeping your eyes wide open doesn't feel, you can close your eyes. But Todd's point is sometimes the the most meditative practice we need is not on our mat right. or in our yoga chair or whatever meditation, Medita- chair. meditation chair. It's in that moment when people are yelling at Well, and it's kind of like with people who go to church every Sunday, they like love everybody. Yes. And then the minute they, and this is obviously in generalization, but then you leave and somebody cuts you off and you flip them off. Like right. what happened? You just loved everybody in this church, right? but now somebody might be having to go to work or is late or whatever. And all of a sudden you are dismissive or you project out some anger towards them. It's like, it's not about being at church or being on your meditation mat. It's about how can you carry this into your day-to-day minute-to-minute existence. And that's the language that people, a lot of, a lot of people use is bring the church out of the church mm-hmm. or bring the, bring your meditation or your yoga off the mat. Yeah. Like take what you're learning there and practice it in your everyday life. The Just telling people I do yoga or I meditate doesn't mean anything, no. at least to me, yeah. unless I see that at like how it's affecting your right. experience in life and how you relate to people. So just kind of finishing this up so Todd okay. can read this question. Here's the, you know, the, the issue about being more restorative in thought when we're talking to our kids is that it does necessitate your presence as a parent. It does necessitate your desire to support your child in whatever they're feeling and also to figure it out so all the pieces, any harm that's been done can be repaired inside your child. Maybe the if they yelled at another child to help that child understand what happened to don't you see like this is this is like uh you know discussions that Todd and I have a lot about this is like how how do we make sure that everyone in this situation understands what's happening it doesn't mean that it's always easy and it doesn't mean that um that there isn't one person who's maybe kicking off the issue right. you know what i mean like right. there's usually somebody who's in the mood who instigates and and that responsibility needs to be taken too but it's like how does everybody play a role in this process or how do we when someone is mad at us learn how to not take it so personally yeah. you know like not take offense that this person's mad at me but really they're mad at something that happened with them mm-hmm. and they're just i am just the the collector or the, you know, I'm just the recipient of what they're experiencing. And these kind of conversations aren't just for the moment, they're for a lifetime. And that's why I feel like restorative, even though I understand 
um, why punitive is used, like why that is our most, that's become the most normal thing in our society. And like I said, you know, that's, it's even used in our own prison system and everything. But in the long run, is anything being worked through? Is anything learned? Are, are we learning anything? Are we discussing where the emotion came from? Are we trying to figure out, and you don't have to use this word with your children or even yourself, but your samskaras, like what, what is your fear? Like everything, when I'm talking to my kids about what's going on with you right now, I try and take it down, 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 meaning yes, you're mad at her and you're mad at her because she didn't let you borrow this. Okay. Tell me about that. Like, has she ever let you borrow anything? And then all of a sudden it's like, well, I let her borrow it and I'm always giving to her and she's not giving to me. And then I'm like, okay, there we go. Mm. So that takes us another, you know, layer. Well, another, you know what another layer is how, you know, let's say your kid is showing up their trauma that happened last year or earlier in the day and right. it's showing up as something else. Right. But what that does is trigger our own. For sure. Samskaras. Right. And saying, how does this fit into my role and how, how come my reaction is so much bigger than a kid melting down and is going to make us late for dinner. Like in the grand scheme of things, that's not that big of a deal. Right. But yet I'm getting all jacked up because I don't want to be late for dinner. Like where is my role in my own trauma in that? Well, this isn't traumatizing in any way. So it's easy for you and I to talk about, but it's, it's an interesting one for you and I to process through. So let's talk about dinner. So the way my parents um, both worked, they and they didn't usually come home until like four or five. And my my mom wasn't a big cook or anything, so we kind of did our own our dinners on our own. So the way that I grew up is I kind of made my own dinner, ate it on my own, and and that was not, I was with my family a lot of the other time. That just wasn't the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we did, you know, they would get home, we'd like hang out, watch TV, but dinner wasn't a huge deal. In your house, you grew up. With your grandma cooking dinner, everybody sat down. And for you, that was probably the calmest time of the day. Would that be a, an accurate <laughs> thing to say? Not always. Not always. But that was meaningful to you. Yes. Time we came together. Okay. So I respect that. And I understand why that's important, especially even though that wasn't my experience, especially because my kids are going everywhere with their own activities, is when we can have dinner together, I really think it's great. So Todd sometimes, you know, and I don't love cooking, um, but Todd's like, you know, let's cook or let's do this. And again, a few times a week we do that. But then sometimes there's this line that I have where I will sit down and maybe JC and I'll sit down, everybody else is getting their stuff. And you want everyone to wait and not eat until we're all sitting right. there. And I, that, and again, I, Todd already knows this. This isn't like I'm bringing up something new to him. It, I don't understand that. Yeah. I, so here's the deal. Um, I feel like there is a sacredness to breaking bread with people <laughs> I'm rolling my eyes right now. Okay, I, I do. Okay. I think that there's a sacredness to to eating together. Okay, probably because of my childhood or whatever, and um, so it is. It does kind of trigger me when you know you're halfway done with your meal and I have I'm still microwaving my tacos because I want the cheese to melt because I love melty cheese on my tacos. Now I feel like you and I had this conversation I don't know six months ago, and I think that I've let go of that a little bit. Do you think so? You don't think so? Well, I don't know. I, I don't, I still feel like there is a... Um, At least there's nothing expressed. I'm, I still may have baggage with it, Yeah, but I don't thing. say stop eating because I right. used to say that I and know. I don't feel like I've done that anymore. And and here's the thing. I think some people listening will say, well, it's manners. Of course you wait until everybody's seated. And like, you know, for those of you who are like, yeah, Todd's right. You know, you, you need to be seated and there's manners and then you put your napkin on your lap and all that. I get like formality and it's especially at, um, you know, teaching our children about how to be at a restaurant. I, I understand all that. But to your point, to the point, Todd just made the point, we'll all be sitting there waiting to eat and Todd's in the kitchen, microwaving stuff, getting his, and we're all sitting there. And I, as like a free independent woman, sorry, I have to say it that way. I would like to eat my food. Mm. Like I'm in my house. But now your food's getting cold. Well, not only that, I don't even need this whole experience. It, meaning I, I like being with you guys. I'm not going anywhere. And even if I finish early, yeah. I'm not leaving the table. I just don't, you know what it comes down to? This is my, I'm getting down to it. See, this is, this is restorative. I don't like people telling me when I can eat and when I can't. Right. It seems a little heavy handed. Mm -hmm. And so even though your intention is good, mm -hmm. let's all be together. The whole idea that I'm being instructed kind of like a child don't eat yet 
it, it, it doesn't sit with me. Right. And so, so, okay, for example, everybody, this wasn't planned, but that's the kind of conversation when your child is mad about something rather than you just do what I want you to do. It's have a conversation about what is this making you feel? Yeah. What are you, this experience, what are you getting from this that maybe I'm missing? Because, you know, to you, Todd, you're not trying to tell me what to do. You would just like to have a certain experience. Well, and I think, and then we have to talk about our partner because we're 40 minutes in. But but I think um, it's it's important for me to explain to you why this is important to me. Correct. And then give you, or actually it's more important for me to understand from you why it's important to you to kind of start when you want to start and hear your story and your history and the whys. And the way it, it's, it makes me feel. Yeah. And then there's a blending of like, okay, can we just have a thing? Like once we all sit down, right. we can all begin. If you need to go microwave and do whatever you need to do, go ahead. Right. Like, I don't want to keep you from doing that. But instead of like, there's a, like dad's at the front of the table. Now we can all eat. Mm-hmm. That seems yeah, a little oppressive to me. 50s-ish. Exactly. I don't like that. Right. And so there, and I don't want my girls growing up with that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, once your father is here, yeah. you can eat. Right. And the, the trick is for me to... Um, seek first to understand, Correct. then to be understood. Because if I come in, you know, I had we did a love language thing uh, at my tribe men's group last week, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm just going to tell my wife what love language I am." I'm like, "Guys, that's not the point of this exercise. <laughs> the last thing I want you to do is to leave this room and tell your wife what love language you speak. It's first to find out theirs, find out theirs, and and make deposits into their account with their love language, and." As opposed to just kind of saying, okay, this is these are my needs and this is how they need to get. I'm met. physical touch. Yes. Please touch me every yes, day. Yes, exactly. Right. right. So it's the same thing. Like we, if if we're going to, what's what's Zukov's uh, definition of a healthy relationship or spiritual relationship? spiritual partnership? Yeah, it's uh, our goal is to be in partnership with someone where both of us grow right. and we support each other in growing. Right. So the way that you do that is not by telling your spouse what you need. It's about connecting with what they need. Mm-hmm. And forget about your needs in that moment, because if you can do that, your needs will get met. Yeah. And that's kind of the the back and forth is that when you seek first to understand, then there's space created yes. to be understood yes. because it's a natural conversation to say, tell me about how you feel and how you experience this. And then when they get the opportunity to do that and all the space is created, then they'll naturally say- yes. And then how is your experience? And if and that's like a lesson for life. And if you can do that, you're golden. And the, and what I'll say about that is Todd just said in his men's group, he's saying to them, no, go to them and ask them. And I in my women's circle say the same thing to women. Women will say, why do I have to go first? Why do I need to ask a question? And I'll say, because we're leaders, mm-hmm. let's lead. And so then... Then you have two people who are willing to take a, a step back. That's a higher level of a relationship when Correct. when you have two people that are willing to do that more often than not. Boom. Okay. Boom. Um, so, sweetie, you took a test last week, and I, I think you got one out of five. <laughs> oh, no. Is this another one? Impact baseline testing. I want all our listeners to go to baselinetesting.com. I think you got one out of five questions. I did. It was really depressing. Here's the first question. You ready? Mm. Is this the same test? Sports injuries are not the main cause of concussions. True or false? Is this the same test? Um, they are not. It's from people falling True down. True or false? They tr- false. Tweet. I do, say the question again. Sports injuries are not the main cause True. of. Thank you. Thank Very you. good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank question you. number two: You always lose a c- consciousness when you get a concussion. False. That one I got right last time. Question three. You should never sleep after a concussion. False. See, I learn. I'm learning. Question four, or statement four. You must rest in a dark room to recover from a concussion. False. Last question. Here we go. It takes three weeks or less to recover. Typically, it takes three weeks or less to recover from a concussion. It's less. So it's less. Last time I said it was... Oops, no, no, you're you're wrong. Okay, read the question again. It's a statement. Okay. It typically takes three, what did I say three weeks or three months? Three weeks. You said something or less, and I said it takes less. It takes, the statement is, it takes three weeks or less to recover from a concussion typically. 
That is true. Oh, good. See, yes. It was the phrasing of the question. It was the three, phrasing. Yeah. So my mythologies have been debunked. That's right. Um, so if you're interested in having you or your family take a test, go to BaselineTesting.com, put in Zen 25, and it'll take the price down from 20 down to 15. And thank you to our partners over at BaselineTesting.com or Impact Baseline Test. All right. You ready for the question from our listener? Um, yes, I am. And I'm going to try and build the, because I don't think I've done a really good job explaining punitive and restorative. I know, but we've been telling stories, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, keep going. Um, our, our team Zen person has a sixth grade son. Okay. He always wants to be online, either okay. watching YouTube or playing Fortnite. We cannot motivate him to just read a real book anymore, and he used to love it. He even uses his phone for internet connection more than connecting with his friends, which surprises me somewhat. We set limits with the Xbox, which is going better, as now I can just shut it off from my phone, and he isn't having a tantrum anymore when I do it. That's good. But when he is done with his screen time, he literally just lays on the couch and has no interest in anything else unless it's a TV or a phone. If the weather was better, he'd be outside, I think, but not with, but not without nagging from us, probably. Again, I feel this is somewhat normal, but again, I am not sure how to be in this space as well. So before you give your two cents... How old is he? Sixth grade. Okay. So he's about... Uh, Twelve. Twelve. Okay. Um, I first want to like bless our, our teammate, our team Zen person, because she says, I'm not sure how to be in this space. And I think that that alone uh, shows me that there's some self-awareness. Like sure. instead of how do I get my son off the phone? Now, I'm, I'm sure that she would like that too. But the way that she ends up phrasing the question is, I don't know how to be in this space. So I first want to just say that you're on the right track by changing how you approach it as opposed to pushing out whatever it is on your son. So that's my two sons. Yeah, for sure. I like the language too. Um, so there's a few things. It, it's it, There's a lot of questions in there, you know, in, in a lot of comments she made, some of them are very good. Like I, the fact that they have boundaries around the Xbox or whatever he's playing on and that when it shuts off, he understands that that time is over and that there's not a tantrum. That to me is an under, there's been an understanding reached within the home of mm -hmm. I've done my time, you mm -hmm. know? And then the fact mm -hmm. that he then lays on the couch, um, isn't super shocking to me. Uh, I think that he's th probably stewing a little bit. He might be, and he might be kind of winding down and thinking about what he just did. Like one of the places that Todd and I went last year, I think, or not last year, last week. Um, and also in our presentations, we talk about this a lot is sometimes we look at gaming such from like an outside place. Like we're like, Oh, that's a game. But when it's shut off, they're done with it. And remember the gaming for a child, in, for better or worse, you know, we have a lot of information about why it can affect their brain negatively. And I get all that. I, I know that research and I've been, you know, focused on that research for years. But there's also, you know, just an experience that they have where they get all geared up, where they're either winning or losing or gaining or destroying. And it kind of, and they're talking to other people or they're playing with other people. And there's like an intensity to the experience. Sure. And so when they're done with gaming, they don't just shut it off. It's kind of like I would say to you when you're leaving work, when you're just in a huge meeting. And again, I know you may say gaming isn't a meeting, but our brain doesn't know this, yeah. right? So you're in a huge meeting, it's kind of intense. And then you walk out and someone's off and someone's like, well, now let's just move to the next thing. And you're like, wait a second, my brain is still kind of focused on that meeting. Yeah. And so he might be kind of winding down from that. And there's, an, there's normal human behavior in that. And then there's also, instead of constantly telling our kids what they should be doing, which I think is why they don't do it, yep. meaning shouldn't you be reading a book or don't you want to read a book or, um, you know, especially if, and again, I don't know if this, um, the person who wrote the question does this, but especially if we're on our computers working or we're on our phone or listening to a podcast and then we say to our child, get off your phone, yep. um, go read a book. Like, is that really an experience in the home that they're used to seeing? Like, do they see other people reading books? Like, is reading books something that everyone does? Right. And, and I'm asking that not to make us feel guilty, but to ha help us understand why our children learn by watching what we do, not by listening to what we say. So if we really want books to be a thing, they have to be a thing for all of us or magazines or, you know, playing games. Like one thing that I'm so grateful for is like Todd, 
if he notices at night that the girls are kind of done with their TV time and everyone's just kind of lazing around, he will say, let's play a game. Mm. And of course, you always say Desert Storm first, which everyone can't stand that game. Um, or you can stand that yeah, game. Yeah, wait a second. But it kind of is, a, it, he brings levity to the situation because he knows no one's going to play Desert Storm. And then everyone laughs and he'll say, well, what game do you guys really want to play? Right. And then he introduces himself into the situation, brings everybody together for a game. And he's playing too, and and very on very small occasions I play too, um, not too many. On my though. birthday, on your birthday, that's part of. Tether. By the way, it's not called Desert Storm, even though that's what oh, I call it. It's called, it called Forbidden Desert. Oh, and for those of why you, why do we call it Desert Storm? I don't know. I just changed it to that, and it's a really good game. If anybody out there wants a really good board game, well, when you guys do get into it, it's intense. It's like Risk, right? right? Yeah, like it's intense, and you're playing with each other. You're not competing against each other, which is another cool part about it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is a lot of times we look at our kids and we say, you're a kid, you should be reading books, playing games, whatever. I'm going to go back to my computer. Mm -hmm. And it, that's okay to do. It's as very long confusing. As you, it is. But as long as you understand why that's confusing and why it, to a kid, they may be like, you know, yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you could, it, it's it, like going back to what we were saying before about being punitive. Punitive is not all about punishment. Sometimes punitive is how we talk to people. Sometimes we just, we say things to people in a punitive way where we're really, we may be saying something, you know, those of you who have friends who talk to you punitively, like, oh, you're really going to do that? Or, okay, you're going to do that, where the, the message, you may be saying certain words, but the message and the feeling behind the words is I'm talking down to you. Yeah, you just totally read my mind because well, yeah. it's all about that. Like to our, to our teammate who asked this question, um, you know, I, I think kids do need to have limits sure. and they can't play Fortnite eight hours a day or no. whatever number you want to put. So after the limit has been set and he's no longer able to play it, how are your interactions with him? And when I say your, I mean like from what energy do you communicate with this young man? Or is it one of like, well, I can't believe I have to keep shutting this game off. Like, so the daily interactions with him before or even during or after the game is really a test on see how well you're connecting with him in that moment because he's pissed. And what you can say is, I totally get it. I totally get that you want to play this because this is a fun game for you and you're connecting with your friends and all that. So that's the one thing I want to say. And then the other thing is, don't don't be afraid to engage with your son with the games. Um, play Fortnite with him or ask him what's good. about Like, because somebody, you know, some people are like, well, then I'm just encouraging him to do it more. Well, the time limit's still the same. Yeah. So you're still going to say we're going to shut this off at a certain mm -hmm. time. But then once he shuts it off, Todd, like because what she's asking is not about the game. Mm -hmm. She's saying the game is shut off and then he's kind of laying on the couch. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like I'm visualizing, why don't you go sit on the couch and put his feet on your lap mm -hmm. and say, um, what else are you going to do today? Or how was last night? Or what's going on in class? So let me be her for a second. Okay. She'll be like, he'll pull his feet. I'm just guessing. Okay. He'll pull his feet off of my lap. He won't answer, and I'll go up in his room, and he'll close the door. Okay. Well, maybe because that's different. Like, mm -hmm. one thing that is important to understand is if you are going to try something different, um, like if before you've been very – you've been punitive or you don't really talk to your kids, and then all of a sudden you start to get into conversations, they may be a little uh, suspect. You yeah. know, like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, so starting something new is a process where there's a consistency of – they need there needs to be consistency of caring that this really isn't just a ploy like i have had people say to me um you know oh i went in and said something to my child and my child said oh you've been listening to zen parenting radio today right like kind of they're being smart alex yeah. like they recognize that the parent is trying to do something different right. um or you've been reading this book or you've been doing whatever and there has to be a belief you're not do you're not doing it cuz Kathy and Todd said do this <laughs> and you're not doing it because you are an attachment parent there has to be a belief from inside of you. That's the thing. If you do it for a day, forget it. Forget Your kids it. are too smart. They're too clever. They know that this is a technique. You got to right. believe it, and you got to stick with it. Right. It's can you keep on connecting with your son when he doesn't want to connect with you? Not that day or the next day, or try it for a whole week. Can you? 
kind of live it and experience it and love him when he is somewhat unlovable. And remember, let's go back to the very beginning of, of everything we're learning. Okay, the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding, right? So you're not doing things because you think your kid needs it. Self-awareness is the first step in all of this. Where are you? What do you value? What do you think is most important? Like for me, I know this may be a surprise to her, but if my kid was playing a game and then they laid on the couch, that wouldn't bother me. Not because I'm above it or it's, what I'm saying is, what's wrong with laying on the couch? And I think that's the question that she's asking is, I don't know how to be in mm-hmm. this because we have such a societal pressure to keep our kids busy and productive and learning and demonstrating knowledge and building cars in the garage and going out there and working at a soup kitchen. It's like we believe our children have to go out there and demonstrate to everybody else what an amazing member of society they are. Yeah. Instead of recognizing that our kids are humans just like we are and that chilling on the couch and and doing nothing and being David Putty and staring at the wall is okay. I have no problem. And again, if you are worried that they're depressed or if you are worried that something else is going on, that I get, okay? So this is why it's a big question because if you're like they lay on the couch all day and they have no motivation, okay, I I understand your concern with their emotion and then you go a different route. You know, then you focus on how can I support you or I've noticed this or, you know, there's a sense of caring about their emotional experience, but they don't always have to be productive. Like I I I think setting them up for that is what creates such anxious college students and anxious twenty somethings. Yeah. Sweetie, you want to hear putty? I do. You want something to read? No. Are you going to take a nap? No. You just going to sit there staring at the back of the seat? problems we had 12 hours ago oh, tell me about it i don't know why i ever took you back oh please i took you back you know it i know it vegetable lasagna here knows it please please i don't want to get involved oh. all right vegetable lasagna that's from seinfeld elaine and putty are in an airplane and elaine is reading a book and putty's staring at the back of the seat in front so of we can all be elaine we've all had our moments of being elaine where we're like oh my god do something mm-hmm. like Here's the thing. For the person who wrote that note, I understand. Like, I see... This is, again, what restorative is. It's like, notice all parts of it. Recognize why it bothers you. Recognize why it might be okay for your child to chill for a little bit. Recognize how there needs to be some boundaries around that. There's so... It's... There, it's why sometimes Todd and I can be the worst advice givers in the world because there's no simple answer. No, and there's, every situation requires a different response. Exactly. There is no – the thing about punitive, again, it's, is, it's very set in stone, black and white, and it makes parents feel very in control because it's like, oh, if you do this, I will do this. If you do this, I will do this. That's not real life because we can't go through – once we've reached a certain age, you know, mid-teens, you know, young adults. That's not how people respond. I mean, you can do that in the workplace, but you have a lot of people backstabbing each other. You have a lot of people in fear. No one's taking risks. People are getting fired. You know, you have a very stagnant company. What you want is for people to be able to discuss things and appreciate things and deal with, you know, uh, issues where people are flailing and understand why people are bugging each other. Like, restorative is is where it's at, Todd. (laughs) How's that? That's a hell of an ending. Well, I I have look at how much information I have in front of me, and I didn't get to any of it. So I feel like I didn't do my my due diligence in like making sure people understand what I'm trying to say. Um. Well, well there's always next week. <sighs> All right. Well, there's always the conference, sweetie. Maybe you'll always... talk about it at the con- do it at your pre-conference workshop. No. That's not what it's about. Even though, it, that's fine. We the conference is coming up March eighth and 9th. That's that's less than three weeks. It's like almost two weeks. It's like two and a half weeks. That's right. It's exactly two and a half weeks. And it's so soon, and Todd and I are working our tails off, um, and everybody's coming, and we're getting excited, so we're going to see all of you soon. Um, and But there are still tickets available for the conference, not for the pre-conference workshop, but for the conference if you want to come. Bring your teens. A lot of people have gotten tickets for teens this week. Teens, 25 bucks. It's cheap. 
and they'll here's the thing they may be like, eh, just tell them to come in and see Glennon and Abby. Just right. say, come with me at nine o'clock and then you can leave. Yeah. I'm, I can't guarantee this, but I don't think they'll want to leave. I think they'll stay. I think they'll stay. If history tells or us Friday anything. Or Friday night, Alexander and John. Yeah, come Friday forget night. Forget about it. Say, you know what? Saturday, do your own thing. Just come with me Friday night. And I think what they'll find is they have more information to say back to you. Yeah, it's it's a vehicle for communication. For communication. You, yeah, so that's actually a good point, sweetie. Yes. Our kids are going to be there. Yes, they kind of they kind of meander around. Yes, they do, especially Skylar. She likes the uh, she, elevator. She's a meanderer. Um, so we also do something called Team Zen. Uh, the tagline is zero pressure, 100% support. We have a Zen talk this Friday, which is basically when Kathy and I get on a video call with all the Team Zen people and you guys ask questions and we answer and then we might ask some questions and it's a good dialogue. So um, check it out. Go to zenparentingradio.com to check it out. Anything else, sweetie? Um Hey, that's a loaded question. There's always something else, but it no, is. I will stop talking because we have to go snowblow. Uh, we? You. Yes, You're I You're right. Do. You're right. right. I do not have to snowblow, but I'm going to support you in your snowblowing adventure. Thanks. I'm going to put my headphones on and I'm going to listen to a Sam Harris podcast, I think, and yeah. it's going to be good. That's what I do when I clean the kitchen. I just listen to something I love. I know you do. Um, keep trucking, everybody. Love you. See you at the conference, March 8th, March 9th, and um, have a, have a week. great week. Adios. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode, and feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. If you want more Zen parenting, check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen talks through the Team Zen podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen parenting conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Sweet. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones? Good news. I coach guys. We can talk in person, by phone, FaceTime. You choose. If you're in Chicago, contact me about the tribe. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. And don't forget about our 2019 Unplug, Connect, and Transform retreat. More, more on that later. Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft, from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios.